All right, Sugar Blossoms, I have a treat for you this week. I have somebody come on this podcast and talk about all sorts of things, different perspectives, male perspectives, and also he lets us know about this secret society BDSM club that he is in that we get to hear about from a firsthand perspective. We get to hear about what it's truly like and not just those mysterious glimpses we get from media or on TV shows or whatever. So it's pretty interesting. I hope you guys really enjoy it. His name is JT and I was so excited to get him on and I hope you guys are excited to hear the interview. Let me know what you guys think. Enjoy. I used to hate all whiskey, Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't touch this stuff until a sugar daddy actually was like, no, 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 hold up. There is a whiskey for everyone. That's true. And uh, he spent a lot of money finding whiskey that I would like and was really surprised when it was really peaty scotches. Really? So like Lagavulin, Glenfiddich. You you like the same stuff my dad likes. So we We have a bottle of Lagavulin sitting. Yeah. Lagavulin's always a good go-to. So you listen to some Sugar Pussy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on like sex work and stuff that's discussed in it? I feel like it has been shown in like Amsterdam and like Las Vegas that it can be a safe and healthy industry as long as it's got the proper support. I think it should be allowed to continue, but I do think there needs to be that safety and that health aspect that goes into it. Otherwise, it can turn into more of a crime ring than an industry. So do you think legalizing it would help? Absolutely. Yes, to get more regulations and, and health involved. Absolutely. Now, what you do see with that, though, is it's way less of an income for girls. Um, like down in Nevada, they make very little for what they have to spend to be there initially. It's just, it's hard because it's, it's a dangerous line of work. Yeah, it can be. It can be. And you legalize it, you get more, more support from the government. You can get more help from people, but also you, you got the other side of it to where Mm -hmm. they want to dip into your pocket. In your opinion, is sugar dating sex work? Depends on what you do as a sugar baby. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd see it as sex work, but I think it also depends on how the sugar baby sees it as well. If they see it as a job, as an income, or it, just as a hobby, something they like to mm-hmm. do. Yeah, there's a lot of gray area, mm-hmm. and it can be used, and the terms can be used incorrectly all the time. But I think it's interesting to find out if people's initial reaction is what it is to it, because a lot of people don't think in depth about it. Mm-hmm. Have you thought in depth about it before you started listening? I had, actually. Uh, when I first moved to the area, uh, one of the first people that I dated was a sugar baby, and she didn't collect any money from me. It was a relationship, but uh, the men that she was a sugar baby for, she didn't provide any sexual favors. She okay. just... Uh, talk to him uh, provided company pretty much yep. so did and she go on regular dates or did she it, have like a regular sugar daddy or was it a uh, she had two regular sugar daddies but it was all they were older and it was a online conversation really just uh, someone for them to talk to on a day-to-day basis was it entirely online uh, both yes. of them? 
Interesting. Okay. Do you know, did she make a lot from it or just like little amounts here and there? Uh, from one, she made uh, $500 a month. And from the other one, she made $1,000 a month. That's pretty good, especially for just online communication. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to find. That's honestly. how I felt about it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Did she, so it wasn't sexual at all, even over texting? Uh, nothing that I saw was, and I was okay with her having her hustle. Like, that's what she liked to do. That's how she made her money. It didn't interfere in our relationship at all. So I really wouldn't have cared if there was sexting, but uh, she didn't as far as I saw. Yeah, that's cool. So then how did she bring that up to you that she had sugar daddies when you first started dating? Our relationship started off kind of weird. It was a four-day-long hotel stay together. We were kind of already as close as you can get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. And she said, if we're going to continue this, you should know I have sugar daddies. And I said, that doesn't really bother me. I'd heard the term before, and I kind of knew what it was about. And so I asked her just to explain what her relationship was with the sugar daddies and what they do for her, what she does for them. And she did, and it really didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Cool. That's awesome. All right, so just some basic information about you, JT. Um, Age, like favorite color, favorite song to fuck to, (laughs) for the people. Oh, that's that's our... uh, I'm 19. Okay. Favorite color, uh, love Midnight Blue. Oh, very specific. And... uh, favorite song to fuck to that i've never been one to play music really interesting it's we can come back to it if you think of it yeah let's come back to let's come back to it okay um and what was your upbringing like in regards to sex and sexuality uh it was very taboo to talk about i was raised in a very small area town of 300 people a lot of it was run by church church board deacons stuff like that uh school was about the same way school covered basically just the health aspects of sex education and the reproductive aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing about pleasure or anything like that. Basically, they just did everything they could to make sure you knew it was pretty wrong to mm-hmm. have sex outside of marriage. Were you and your family, were you guys religious? Uh, yes, we were members of a Baptist church. Baptist. And which, I don't know if, how much you know about the Baptist, but yeah. depending on which church you go to, it can be fire and brimstone or new age. And ours was fire and brimstone. Gotcha. So did your parents get involved with sex education at all? It wasn't their intentions. When I was 11, I believe they found pornography on my Kindle. On your and Kindle? Yes. It wasn't like I was researching. I was like looking it up for the purpose of masturbation or anything like that. I was just curious, you know, riding the bus, hearing older kids talk about it. And they happened to find, I think uh, I had put in sex videos. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, Oh, oh, I completely relate. But uh, they found it and they went ballistic. And basically they just humiliated me and bullied me into saying that I thought it was awful and I never wanted to do it again. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. So that didn't lead to any type of actual constructive, no. this is what sex is, at all? Nope, they just, Rough. you thought that was pretty nasty, didn't you? This, that, and the other. And I, was, I just wanted the situation to be over, so I agreed, and we left it at that. Did you continue looking into it? Was that yes. kind of when you started it, it watching? it kind of caught my attention. It wasn't for, like, two years. It wasn't even, like, anything to do with pleasure or masturbation. It was just I was interested in the topic, learning more about it. Just it's because you hear older kids talking about it and you just, it was something that caught my curiosity. Did you talk to any of the older kids or did you have friends? Did you kind of collaborate on your curiosity at all or was it just like you? Absolutely. So all my friends have always been older than me. 
And so they've always had the knowledge before I had the knowledge. And so it got passed down with my, with my uh, town being as small as it is. uh, There was only like five kids in it. And the oldest was a freshman at the time. And then me being the youngest was like in fourth, fifth grade. And so the information just came trickling down. Yes, it does. And it was boys, girls, both all in between. And so it was weird because it was both sexes talking about it. But we were so close because there was only five of us in this town that it never really bothered any of us. Do you consider it healthy like that you talked about it? I feel like it was healthy just because my parents made it seem so unhealthy that it was nice to have that secondary opinion, even if it was from kids, you know, uh, just to let you know that you're not alone, that you're not the only one that thinks about that stuff. And do you remember what age, like, your first sexual experiences were? Yes, I do. It was the summer after seventh grade. Okay. And it was not my idea at all. I was so... (laughs) out of my depth and so nervous a girl had moved in to my town that was three years older than me and uh lack of options i guess (laughs) and so she was my first and uh it was absolutely atrocious now that i look back on my part i feel bad for her why what was so bad i was like 15 yeah and like knew nothing and i just Knew nothing about how to please a woman or... How did that even start, though, if she was three years older and you were still both that young? Like, did she make the I, move? Did you? Yeah, she made the move. Uh, oh. She uh, initiated oral sex. Okay. And uh, after that, it just it happened a few more times. And then we moved on to intercourse and stuff like that. It was just, it never was anything. It was always awkward and... I had no idea what I was doing, and she didn't really know that much either. It was weird. So the communication was probably pretty rough. Oh, it was, it was very rough, because neither mm-hmm. one of us knew what, what we wanted, what we were doing, or how to communicate that. Yeah, that's interesting. So looking back on that, do you wish it had happened differently? No. No? No, I don't. Because after having those experiences, I realized that I enjoy doing that, but I want to be better at it. What part did you want to be better at? I have this, like, mission. I don't care if I come or not. I want to please the woman. Okay. I want to please my partner. That is my number one thing. And so I wanted to learn everything I could to be able to please my partner. Okay, so how did you go about learning that? When did that start? Pornography. Okay. Uh, Just viewing different types. And that's when you got started on kinks and fetishes and stuff like that. Great topics. Yeah. And so I just started learning as much as I could about the topic, not just for the purpose of masturbation, but just knowledge. Do you think that the porn that you consumed was actually now with your sexual experience? Do you think that it was like a good way to learn? Do you think that it taught you well? I feel like there could be better ways to learn because I feel like porn could be unhealthy because it's not kept in check. There is such thing as porn addiction and consuming too much porn. And uh, it kind of, it can be an emotional turnoff towards relationships because why put all the effort into a relationship when you can just go watch porn? So I I had to check myself on that because I found myself comparing my partners to the girls in those videos Mm -hmm. and that's not, that's, that shouldn't be how it is. Yeah, that doesn't always represent women the way that, I mean, because it's pretty much designed for the male eye. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What kind of porn did did you find yourself liking? Mm, this is where the BDSM comes in, and yeah. I know you're interested to hear about 
where that leads. I was always interested in the more extreme stuff. Define extreme. Vanilla did not interest me. Anything tied up, gag, whips, all that stuff. Anything just interesting, just more than what you'd normally see. It was just so intense that it created that feeling that you're like, I want to experience that. I want that intensity in a relationship. I just, I had to try it for myself. So how did you? It got started uh, with the little things, you know, tying tying hands up with, like, ties and stuff like that. Moving on to, like, buying the cheap handcuffs at mm-hmm. Dollar General and working on. But did you, do, did you do a lot of research to get into it, or did you just experiment? Uh, it started off by experimenting, but uh, quickly I learned that I wasn't that great with knots. So uh, I uh, researched on how to tie knots and what knots are better for what things if you want to cut off circulation, if you don't want to cut off circulation, that kind of stuff. And it just kind of led me down a spider hole. But I was also in a town of 300 people mm-hmm. and surrounded by small towns and not too many people from those areas want to try stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I, I've scared a lot of people with just like bringing up anything beyond vanilla. <laughs> so yeah. I can understand. Yep. Uh, there's been a lot of potential relationships that have gone out the door Oof. because we get to that stage and they're like, what are you into? And you know, your brain goes, don't scare. Mm-hmm. But you're you're also like, well be honest because like that's really what you're into and so like you don't want to fake it right and so you tell them and they're like no it is surprising a lot of people are scared of it but then a lot of people are also really curious about it if they've never done it so Mm -hmm. if you ease it in sometimes absolutely and that's that's a very important part that a lot of people neglect it's not something you can just jump into Mm -hmm. you have to ease into it just like with most things it's how I explain it to people is picky eaters. Okay. If you're a picky eater, you know, you don't want to go to a buffet of the food you don't like. You want to try a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I feel like it's the same stuff with like BDSM and stuff like that. You try a little bit at a time and figure out what you like, what you don't like, and step it up from there. For sure. That's a really good way to put it. So what are your main kinks? Do you have any fetishes? Hmm. So the difference between kinks and fetishes fetish is something that you need a kink is just something that you're into i feel like i have a fetish for tattoos tattoos and dark hair that's always been my thing top kinks top kinks oh definitely uh bondage bondage is a big one uh role play i feel like another good one would be like a slave master role but Mm -hmm. like i'm a switch so i can go back and forth yeah, those are my questions. So are you mostly a rigger? Have you, do you ever like getting tied up yourself? Uh, a switch is pretty high on my list, but I've never found anybody that's interested in doing that. Okay. Um, uh, I am quite, rigor's pretty high on my list too, so I enjoy doing that. But also, like, I'm really curious. Uh, my philosophy is I'll try anything once. That's a good one. There's a, there's a couple things for me I'm not about to try even once, but not very many, so. I have very <laughs> few hard no's, but yeah. there are a few. There's, yeah, I feel like most people have have a couple there. I'll try anything reasonable. Nothing to do with feces. Mm-hmm. That's that's a hard no. That's a pretty common hard no. Yeah, uh, urine too. That's yep. not anything I want to do with. See, that's the soft one for me. I'll try it in the shower. If it's a really big deal to somebody, I'd be like, okay, fine. But it's happening in the shower and probably only once. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, Yeah. the shower would be probably the only place just because it's the shower. So 
Yeah, blood is also Yeah, no blood play, no knife play. No for me. Yeah. Uh, that's actually why the relationship with that sugar baby ended is because she wanted me to cut her. Oh. And I won't I won't do that. I, I'm I'm a sadist, so I, I enjoy inflicting pain as long as it's for their pleasure, but I won't I won't cut anybody. Or so burn. can you kind of like get into what about the inflicting pain is enjoyable from a sadist perspective? Because I'm not. So I can talk about yeah. why I like being a masochist all day long. Right. But... It's a power trip. Okay. Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe it comes from being the short, chubby, fat kid in, high, in school and not being able to assert that dominance, that power that brought it out in me. But also, I don't do it just to cause pain, inflict pain on people. I inflict pain to people that get pleasure from the pain. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I tend to be attracted to masochists. So... I like pleasing my partner. My partner likes pain. Therefore, I like inflicting pain on my partner because they enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that the same thing kind of works for a masochist too, though, because if you're telling somebody that you want to feel pain and they're not into it, then it's just like right. out the door and not enjoyable. So right. it goes it goes both ways. Absolutely. So then how do you, how are you involved with BDSM and all of that? I know that's somewhere we have to go with this. So let's just dive in. All right, so I have to be careful how I talk about this one Absolutely. because it's like a secret society of secret mm-hmm. societies. Um, I was introduced to this group by the same sugar baby ex. She was not a member at the time, but her her aunt was and her uncle, and they were very. Oh wow, that's an open family. It was just that, just those three were open. The rest of the family not so okay. much, but they're very open because they're very big in that community, and so. Basically, what this secret society is, is in the town that I live in, they have a building. And once a month, or every two months before COVID, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, they would have get-togethers. And at these get-togethers, they would have instructors. And these instructors would teach what we call scenes. Each get-together would have a theme. So the last one was supposed to happen, but COVID canceled, was uh, called Tied Up. And so it was about rope play teaching you how to tie knots, how to safely tie knots, where you can place ropes to where they won't cut off circulation, stuff like that. On top of teaching you different classes on BDSM, it's a place where people can go and be themselves. So it's an invite-only event, and uh, people show up as like their alter ego. Um, We have brats. uh, Pony play is very uh, rare, but they do show up sometimes. Basically, you can be who you want to be without feeling judged because everyone there is there for the same thing. But there's another side to this group, and it happens when you walk through the double doors at the end of the big room. And it is basically an all-holds-off orgy. You don't have to participate in any of that. Everything is consent-based. So I feel like that's important to touch on. So in these scenes with these instructors, you and your partner, if you don't have a partner, the instructor will do it with you if you're comfortable with that. Everything is based on consent. So if they're going to try and show you something, may I touch you? May I do this? May I do that? Everything requires permission Mm -hmm. and consent. And so it's a very tight-knit group. And if someone comes in that they feel doesn't belong or is going to make people uncomfortable or is possibly a predator Mm -hmm. that is using the group as a hunting grounds uh, they have their own ways of getting rid of them and these are people that you'd never expect they're doctors lawyers police officers people that work at ivy anyone and everyone 
goes, mm-hmm. but you don't talk about it. Can you give me a range on like how big the group is? Like, it doesn't not, nothing specific. Uh, so it's a floating group. Okay. So basically, it has members that live across the country, and mm-hmm. if they're in town while one's going on, they'll come. They'll come to them, but uh, we're in the range of around two hundred that wow. are in the city. How many people generally like show up to an event? Fifty to one hundred. Fifty to one hundred. That's still pretty pretty good. It's a big space, and I remember when you were talking to me about this previously. Uh, you called it the dungeon. It's anything but. You, from the outside, it looks very sketchy. Like I showed up and I was like, okay, this is where I die. And I walked in and I I was amazed. Uh, The place is extremely clean. They keep everything sanitary and healthy because, Lord forbid, anyone that's not supposed to find out about it finds out about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the owners don't get health violations on top of everything else and endangerment and stuff like that. The building is very clean. Everything's very, very nice. So what have been your, like, favorite aspects or as detailed as you go, like, experiences within the community of this for me it was uh the learning from professionals aspect mm-hmm. like you can watch videos and say and kind of pick up on stuff but they're they run you through it step by step and then they have you do it yourself and basically you make a scene out of it so what you see in pornography you learn how to make that whole scene go together when you're in the bedroom and you're putting it into practice in your sex life it doesn't seem as fumbly. It's more of a fluid motion. You keep the mood, you keep the spark, everything stays intense. And that's what I appreciate about it. And I have a lot more to learn because I just got started in the group. But uh, COVID kind of put the kibosh on that for a while. Yeah. So how long were you, how long have you been in, had been doing it? And I've at been, what point within like learning about sex and stuff, did you get involved? Were you pretty new to BDSM or how much had you done before that? I was interested in BDSM okay. uh, because I just started last year okay. or like right before COVID started. I was able to go to two meetings and uh, gotcha. then COVID kind of shut everything down. That's unfortunate. So yeah, that's how I, how I kind of feel about it. But uh I feel like I was at the peak of, like, learning what I could learn from, like, videos and stuff and actually needing to, like, do some hands-on, put it into action. Otherwise, it was just going to be that fantasy that lived on in my head. Right. And so being able to get with that group really allowed me to really discover how much I truly enjoyed it. So have you been able to incorporate a lot from that into relationships and stuff? Since I moved here, yes. It's been a lot bigger part of my relationships um stuff's expensive to buy i don't know if you've looked at that stuff but uh especially for anything that has to do with leather or any of that Mm -hmm. it's very expensive it hasn't been a huge thing to be on the top of my list getting established uh with my life here but it will be it's it's definitely going to be something that i incorporate because it makes me happy and it's (laughs) i like to be happy so so is sex in general a pretty big part of your life, would you say? Yes. Like it's pretty meaningful? It is for me. I'm a little different from some people. Uh, I have problems with emotion. And so when I'm with my partner having sex and stuff like that, that's when I feel like I can convey the most emotion because I've always been a pretty stoic person. But then it's like all that fades away and I can just be myself. So you said vanilla is pretty low on the list, but do you, I mean, is it 
so low that you never enjoy it? Or no, is no, it just... It's, it's not that. Especially, for me, it's a time thing. How much yeah. time do we have? That's a big part of it. Because with BDSM, that shit takes time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of setup and cleanup. That's it almost feels like you have to plan it sometimes. It, it and really, that's what really gets me... It's work. You, you got to put time into it. Yeah. Especially if you're doing a full setup. Mm-hmm. And that, like, there was scenes that would take an hour, like, just to set up. And, like, that's crazy. Like, especially in young people's lives like us, we're go, 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 always mm-hmm. got stuff going on. So vanilla is not a no for me. Like, I still enjoy it. But if I have the time to do something else, I'd rather do something else. Well, the beautiful thing about, like, power dynamics is you really don't... You, you're able to incorporate different levels and various, Absolutely. variables to it, so... Absolutely. Yeah. You can put it into play at any time, the, just minus the bondage and stuff. Yeah. So. Or, you know, you've got plenty of things laying around you can play with. Yeah. Did you ever think uh, what your favorite song to fuck to was? <laughs> yeah, I've I've never really been one to put music on but i'm not opposed to it um it's definitely a mood thing yeah definitely yeah. but uh i know some people who have like whole playlists though and it's, big, it's a big deal for them yeah and i feel like the playlists <laughs> matter too because like when you're doing bdsm depending on what you're doing it can be a very intense thing so you mm-hmm. maybe want nine inch nails playing because it's supposed to be like really intense really serious like there's a lot of pain and there's I mean, a lot you of can this. always cut off like being able to hear with with music put earbuds in blindfold mm-hmm. on cut off like all the senses and you know absolutely it's a good I, way to go I, sensory play is a fun one it's a very I, fun one. i enjoy sensory play um but uh, and then there's other times where it's more of a romantic feel, and you want slower music, uh, stuff like that. We make the best out of very little. So absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I think this was pretty good. I think so too. I was I was glad to be able to give a male's perspective. Yeah, I need I need some more of those. So probably a, a rare thing for this podcast but i appreciate it thank you thank you and that does it for this week like i said i hope you guys really enjoyed that interview it was kind of a last minute decision to get him on but i'm really glad we were able to and i'm really glad that i was able to make it happen for you guys because i think it's really important to get other people on this show hear other people's opinions and get perspectives from people who are into things differently than i am Don't forget, next week is episode 10, and that means my boyfriend's coming on. And don't forget, I have that survey up. You guys ask whatever questions you've got for us. I'm really curious to know which topics you're most interested in and what questions you have specifically. Don't forget to hit that follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget about my social medias at SugarPussPod. Let me know what questions you have for me to be featured on the show. And let me know what you guys want to hear about. If there's any topics specifically you'd like me to talk about, I'm happy to do so. As always, thank you for being here every single week with me. I hope if you are celebrating today, you guys have a fantastic and happy Thanksgiving. And you stuff your faces and you don't worry about how much you're eating. Because it's Thanksgiving and it's worth it. And eat that extra helping of mashed potatoes, please. Because you know, I for sure am. Mm. All right, you guys, 
I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. <laughs>